Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this week that you've seen us through and so many blessings have come as a result of it. And Lord, as we come now to study your word, we are careful to make sure that we ask for your Holy Spirit because he is the only one that can lead us into all truth, to teach us from the word that was inspired by him himself. And so Lord, please grace us with thy presence now. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Well, as I said, we are continuing our series, The Parables of Jesus. And this evening, we are going to start by looking at the mustard seed and the leaven. And this, this parable is also found in Matthew chapter 13. There are quite a number of parables in Matthew 13, and we're going to be staying there. And these, these, two, these two parables are really kind of short. They're only spanning three verses. But let's start by focusing on the first of the two parables talking about the mustard seed. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 13 verses 31 and 32. This is what the Bible says. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof." So this first parable is the parable about a mustard seed. And what do we understand about the mustard seed from here in this passage? It says it is the smallest of all seeds. And it truly is. You see, the mustard seed, it really is a very, very, very small seed. It's only about one millimeter in diameter. So if you put it on your hand, it's really a very small speck of a seed, not com comparing to the different seeds that we have here in Malaysia. The durian seed is huge, right? Even the rambutan and the lychee and all these seeds, they're very big and you, you, you can't eat them. These, if you chew on it, you know, even the mangosteen, it, it's very bitter. You can't bite on it. It's a very big seed. But the mustard seed, it is a very small seed. And yet the Bible says that when it grows up, you know, you plant in the ground and it grows up, it grows to one of the largest trees amongst all of the herbs. And, you know, it's a, it's a rather large tree. It's a bush. And, um, you know, so from such a, a small tree, it grows to something that is so large to the extent that even the birds make their homes in the branches. And so this by no means is a small tree. Now, other facts about the mustard tree or the mustard seed, this, this is some of the facts. It takes 10 days to germinate. And it takes about 80 to 95 days to become a full tree, which means it grows quite rapidly. Now look, I'm just going based upon research. I don't have any personal experience in the mustard seed and the mustard tree and how fast it grows, but apparently it grows quite rapidly, fast growth. So something about the kingdom of heaven can take place quite rapidly, quite quickly. But now let's continue our study, shall we? Let's go to that second parable in verse 33. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. 
Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Now, leaven is a substance that we put into dough. And uh, we know this today as yeast. It makes the dough rise. So, you know, what does yeast do? It, it, it makes this little small thing to, to rise. And so, of course, when you bake the, the yeast, the, the bread has lots of holes in it. And so it's light and fluffy, right? If you don't put yeast in it, it becomes, it stays as it is. And it's a very heavy type of bread. But do you know that yeast or leaven, it must be left in ideal conditions in the dough. It must be in a warm environment. So this yeast, it must be put, well, in the parable, it's put into three measures of flour, three measures of meal. Do you know how much three measures is? They say that one measure is about 14 liters. So three measures, 42 liters of flour. Friends, that is a lot of dough. A lot. And look, for those that have baked before, you know that you don't need to put in a lot of yeast to make a bread rise. You can just put these little small packets into a piece of dough and that whole thing becomes leavened, right? Uh, this whole thing rises. And so the Bible says that this yeast is put into 42 liters of flour and it has the ability to affect every part of the 42 liters of dough to make it rise. So something so small is able to have such a great impact on something so large in such a short amount of time even shorter than the growing of a mustard seed into a tree. But, you know, you, you see that there's something common about these two parables that we're looking at. They're both illustrating the kingdom of heaven, but they demonstrate how something so small can, at least for the mustard seed, to grow into something so big, and then with the yeast, something so small, put into something so big, 42 liters of dough, can make it rise and can affect it in such a short space of time. For the tree, it grows up very quickly, short space of time. But of course, compared to leaven, which is even faster, probably a, a few hours, short space of time, it's that catalyst that makes it to rise up very quickly. So we are seeing that there's this parallel, this, there's this connection between these two parables that Jesus uses these two illustrations, illustrating the kingdom of heaven for a very important reason. But friends, before we continue, I want to ask you, what else is the kingdom of heaven connected to? Because Jesus is trying to illustrate about the kingdom of heaven here. Well, let's go to another passage found in Luke 17. Luke 17 verses 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Where is the kingdom of heaven, friends? It's within us. Do you see that? The kingdom of heaven is not always talking about heaven up there, not the place where God has prepared mansions for us and, and is waiting to come and bring us back there, right? No, the kingdom of heaven sometimes it illustrates how a person can be ready 
for the kingdom of heaven. It's referring to what? Heart preparation. How our citizenship into heaven is really dependent upon and decided upon what we do on earth today. Not necessarily anything external, but what's happening within our heart. You see, coming back to the, the illustration, the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. First, let's look at that mustard seed. Friends, what does the mustard seed represent? Luke chapter 8, verse 11. We've, we've studied this before. You see, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And whilst this is talking about a different parable, it's easy to connect it with what we're looking at today here with the mustard seed. So yes, the mustard seed can also represent the Word of God. But friends, what else does a seed represent in the Bible? Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says this, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is who? It is Christ. So the seed, yes, represents the Word of God, but the seed can also represent what? Jesus Christ. The seed put into our heart, the Word of God being put into our heart, heart and Jesus Christ dwelling in our hearts as well. It's the work that Christ wishes to do within our hearts today. But how about the leaven? What does the leaven represent? You see, friends, yeast, it has this catalytic effect. It has this ability to speed up the process of something that needs to be done. And in this case, it is the rising up of the dough, the, the, the flour, right? So this is what we should look at in regards to the yeast. And what in the Bible has this sort of catalytic effect, this quick response, this quick effect upon our heart? Well, let's go to Psalms 119 and verses 120, uh, verse 125. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy what? To thy word. You see, friends, the Bible has this ability to speed things up, to speed something up, to quicken. So the leaven can also represent the Word of God. So the mustard seed is the Word of God. The leaven is the Word of God. These parables are connected. They are trying to illustrate the same thing, what the Word of God can do within our hearts. But what else can leaven represent? Matthew 16, verse 6 and verse 12. The Bible says this, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them uh, not beware of leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So this leaven that Jesus is talking about is bad leaven. It's the bad doctrine of the Pharisees. And what was so bad about their doctrine? You see, their teaching, which is what doctrine is all about, their teaching was all about tradition. Why do you do this? Because we've been doing this for hundreds of years. There was no rationale behind it. And that's what 
tradition is sometimes. Why do you take your shoes off when you come to a person's house? It's because that's what I've done all my life. And a person on the other side of the world, why do you keep your shoes on when you go to the house? Well, this is what I've done all my life as well. There's no rationality behind it. It's just what we do. That is the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was all about tradition. So leaven is doctrine, which is also connected with the Bible. And yes, in this case, where we look at the Pharisees and Sadducees, it has a bad connotation. But in the case of the parable that we're looking at, it must have this good application. It is put in positive light. So it's good doctrine. It's good teaching. However, leaven can also represent something else as well that has a quickening effect. Let's go to John chapter 6 and verse 63. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Can you see here what else can leaven represent that has also a quickening influence? It is the Spirit of God. Friends, it is the Holy Spirit and His work upon our hearts. Notice here, it is not just the Spirit that quickens though. Uh, actually, I should show you the slide again. It's not just the Spirit that quickens. It says the words that Jesus speaks to us, they are Spirit and they are life. So yes, once again, we see that the Word of God quickens just like the Holy Spirit. And really, you can't disconnect these two from each other. When you go to Ephesians 6.17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So it's not that they're the same thing, but the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God as well. So friends, what we see here in regards to this leaven, it represents the Word of God and it also represents the work of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts, both working together to perform this quickening, this catalytic, cat catalytic work upon our hearts. So both the mustard seed and the leaven, they both represent the Word of God working upon our hearts. And in the case of the mustard seed, it is also Christ abiding in our hearts. In the case of the leaven, it is the Holy Spirit abiding in our hearts, which really means simply God dwelling in us. Friends, how does the Holy Spirit, I mean, how does Jesus dwell in us? It is through the third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit. He is the representative of all three the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He is a representative of all three upon earth today. When Jesus was human, He was the representative of the three to us today. I mean, back then when He was alive on earth. But today, it is the Holy Spirit. And to have the Word of God dwelling in our hearts is to have God Himself there. Remember, what else do we see in the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven? Was it slow growth or was it fast growth? It was fast, right? And, you know, one only took a few months and the other just took a few minutes or a few hours. You see, friends, when the Bible is put into our hearts, it immediately begins to work. You don't need to wait years to change. 
You don't need to wait for weeks or for months. That change can take place immediately. Just like how God wants to create in us a clean heart. How long did it take for God to create? When He spoke, it happened, right? And you know, I, I understand, maybe some people take a bit longer. Some can take two hours. Some can take a few weeks. Not to say that, hey, as soon as you read the Bible, you don't change immediately, that the Word of God is not effective. No, it will work. It will work only as we hide it in our hearts, only as we allow it to be buried up in, in the, the dirt of our hearts. We are clay vessels. Only as we put the Word of God in our hearts will God work. Because why? The Word of God begins to take root. So how do we get Jesus? How do we get the Holy Spirit in our hearts today? We must put His Word there. We must spend time reading and studying the Bible, meditating on what the Bible says. Maybe growth may seem slow at the beginning. Maybe you might feel that there's not much there to learn. Maybe it seems like you haven't gotten much benefit from it or much nourishment from it. But the more you spend time in it, the more you begin to understand, the faster you begin to grow. And some is like the leaven, a few minutes, a few hours. Some is like a mustard seed, a few months, and then it grows up very quickly. But friends, how do we get the Holy Spirit in our hearts today? Well, this is very simple. Let's go to Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Friends, how do we get the Holy Spirit in our hearts today? We got to learn to ask. We got to learn to pray. The seed must be sown in the field. The leaven must be placed in the flower. But there must be this intentional action. There must be this intentional time that we set aside to spend time with God. An intentional time in praying, in asking. You see, friends, a person does not change mysteriously by accident. No one's going to get to the kingdom of heaven one day not knowing how they got there. They know that it was their relationship with Jesus. But that relationship, as any relationship on earth, must be intentional, right? We must have this intentional response to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit. It's true. Changing comes from spending time with Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work upon our hearts and our characters. But the effort that must be put in must come from us. And is this working our way to heaven? No. But we got to spend time in the Bible and in prayer. What did we do to, to affect that change? Well, we just sat there and spent time with Jesus. He is the one that will change our hearts. He's the one that will change our characters and life to be more like Him. You know, a research was done quite a long time ago where they discovered that um, a, a minister, a pastor, a full-time gospel worker, on average, they only spend seven minutes in prayer. Seven minutes per day. How short? I mean, if, if a minister, someone who's working in full-time ministry, only prays that amount, how much less would the church and its members uh, who are not involved in full-time ministry pray? It would be even less. Why is it, friends, that so many people just don't see the importance of the Bible 
and of praying. You see, these Christian disciples, yes, we, we heard them growing up in the church, but so many of us, we, 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 we know so little and its importance about how to do good, how to be better. We, we, we don't see the importance of being better. Why? Because we don't think that we're, we're worse than the people out there in the world. And so we think, well, I've gone to church, I've done something good, and then as a result, we don't see the need of spending time in the Bible and in prayer. Sure, we, we sin a little bit here and there, but not to the extent of the world, right? So why is it that so many of us, we don't see our need? Why is it we don't feel the, the, the need of the Word of God in our hearts and having the sense of urgency and desire to pray? You know, they say that the gospel is going out faster to third world countries than today that are living in more affluent countries. Why? Because you see, when a person is poor, they see their need. They see the importance of hoping for a better life. They're not satisfied with this world. So, so they turn to the scriptures where it gives them hope of the second coming of Jesus, where He's going to come back and, and one day there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more poverty. But look at what riches does to a person. Matthew 13, 22. We've, we've studied this parable before. It's the same chapter of the mustard seed and the leaven. Matthew 13, 22. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Do you see that? Riches, it calls it the deceitfulness of riches. Friends, riches deceive us. It deceives us into thinking that we are okay. It deceives us to forget about heaven and make us set our affections on the earth. It makes us to lose our focus on heavenly things. It makes us to think that our spiritual lives are okay. How? It makes us to think that God is the one that's blessing us with these riches and if God is blessing me, He must be with me, right? So my spiritual life must be okay. It deceives us, friends. We forget that sometimes Satan helps a person to get rich as well. Maybe many of us are not rich, but maybe we're comfortable and you don't have to have all your, your wants and desires satisfied, but at least many of us, we have our needs satisfied. We have a roof over our head, we have a job, we've been getting through okay in this pandemic. Sure, maybe we're not making a lot of money or, or saving a lot, but God has been blessing me and I have, I have good health. I don't have a care in the world. I have all the comforts of this life. I still have my car to drive around. I still have my bike to drive around. I'm blessed and, and maybe you're not as rich as Bill Gates or, or Elon Musk, but we have all our, our needs taken care of. We're not suffering. Do you see that? We have food on our tables every day and that's the deceitfulness of riches. But let's look at riches a bit more. First Timothy, chapter 6 and verses 9 to 10. Pardon me, the slide is 91 to 0. It's meant to be 9 to 10. Verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through 
with many sorrows. Friends, when we have money and riches, we fall into more temptations and more traps, more snares. It entraps us. It makes us to lose our faith and our focus. It weans away the affections from the things that should be reserved for God, and it sets it on the earth. And so because we see how riches can be so deceptive and ruinous to our lives, many times God has to do something drastic to get our attention, to wake us up. Because it's deceptive, right? It's living in, a, in the shadows and we, and we don't know that it's there and we don't know how it's affecting us and we think we're okay. And so God has to go to extreme measures sometimes, whether it's the loss of our health, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the, the, the loss of our money and our possessions. Sometimes God has to work overtime just to get us to wake up, make us lose our properties and our security and our worldly comforts. The question that we have to answer today, friends, is are you undeceived? Are your eyes open to the direction that you're taking in life? You know, so many of us, we're heading into perdition because we're, we're chasing after money and we've come from a poor background. You say, you know, sometimes people have, that are poor that have more faith, but no, sometimes poor, they have less faith because they have to work so hard just to make a living, so hard to the point that they don't have time for God. And we tell ourselves, God, you made me poor, so I don't have time. But, you know, on every stage, whether you're rich or you're poor, we have this possibility to leave Jesus behind. And we we, we got to come to this pause today, friends. It's not about whether you're born in a rich family or a poor family. It's our focus today. Those that are rich, they have so much time and money and wealth that they go and play, 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 play. Those that are poor, they got to work so hard, so hard, so hard, and they blame God. Uh, you, don't, you didn't give me any money. I had to work so hard just to put f- food on the table for that day. I can't even save for the next day. And every day, they're living day to day, and so they got to work hard, and then they get home, and they're exhausted, and they have no time for God. And it doesn't matter which side you're on. It seems like we have excuses on every end, doesn't it, friends? We've got to learn to be content with where we are today. We've got to learn to make room for Jesus. And for those that are content, that are on the rich side, or, you know, you're average, you're not saving a lot, but you've not been affected by the pandemic. In fact, maybe you've gained weight. <laughs> maybe you've, you, you, you've been blessed even more, and, you know. But we've gotten comfortable. And friends, I believe that many of us, we've gotten comfortable with the time that we're living in. We've gotten comfortable with our life. We've gotten comfortable with staying home all day. We've gotten comfortable. And God, I believe, needs to make us uncomfortable today. Stir our hearts. Help us to see that that there's a real devil hot on our tracks. Because many of us, we don't see the need for spending time with Jesus. We've reaped the blessings of the gospel but we've not given glory back to Him. Every good and perfect gift, friends, is from above, James chapter 1. Do you, do, do you realize that? The, do you realize that the health that you have is from God? Do you realize that the money that you have in your bank account to be able to buy whatever you need to buy 
is from God. Do you realize the blessings of the gospel and of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit in your life? And do you realize that all of that can be taken away in a moment, in an instant? Do you realize that things can change so suddenly and so quickly? And many of us, we don't because we're just going throughout life, day in, day out. It's become a routine. Just wake up, just eat, just study, just work. It's become a routine that we've forgotten to change that routine to fit Jesus in there as well. Friends, we got to make intentional decisions today regarding our relationship with Jesus. And we'll only do that if we wake up to realize our spiritual bankruptcy, to realize how little of the Spirit of God that we have, to really realize how little of the blessings of God that we have, that we could even have more blessings, to realize that God is the only one that can help us to be more like Him, to be more of the man and the woman that He created us to be today. Then and only then will we allow the mustard seed to, and the leaven to be placed in our hearts. God will surely work if we allow Him to. More than just saying yes, let's make a commitment to spend time in His Word more this coming week, more in prayer, more in our relationship with Jesus. This is what really matters at the end of the day, friends. Are you spending those precious moments with Him? God desires it more than anything else. In Colossians 1.27, the Bible says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is what? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friends, too many of us, we're just satisfied with this life. We've forgotten the eternal life. We've forgotten the world that is up there in the heavens. We've forgotten. And today, I want to remind you that we got to come back. We're going to come back to the eternal realities that God has waiting up there for us. But He's got to open our eyes to see how infinitely short we are of eternal life today and how we're not only making a ruin of eternal life in the future, but even a ruin of our life here on this earth today as well. Let's take a pause today, especially on the Sabbath, to come back to Jesus. This is the day above all days to spend more time in His Word, not more time in sleep, not more time in socializing with our friends. We don't need to work anymore. No, more time in His Word. Sure, you've, you've been busy the other six days. Today, you can start more time in prayer. Yes, more than the seven minutes. Friends, I can't even pray just for my family and for myself in seven minutes. There's too much there. How much we are missing out on the blessings of God. He wants to do so much more for you, friends. So much more. Let's come back to His Word today. And may God help us to realize that. Otherwise, we are told that He will give us time by taking away our houses and our lands and our properties. He will give us time to think and to meditate by taking away our cars and our jobs and our careers and our studies. He will give us time to pause and to think 
where we are heading in life. Not because He desires to hurt us, because we're not following Him, but He desires to save us, friends. And so today, let's come back to God. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father in heaven, O Lord, You are such a loving God. You cause the sun to rise on the good and the bad. You cause it to rain on the just and on the unjust. Lord, You're not partial in that manner but you desire for all to be saved and to come to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And Lord, so many of us, we have been rushing throughout this week, rushing with our studies, rushing with our work, rushing with our desires and our wants and even our needs. But Lord, please help us to pause. Help us to stop just to remember the goodness of our God and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, please, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, help us to see our great need. Help us to make a concerted effort to spend more time in your word and in prayer, especially on this weekend, especially upon this Sabbath, especially when we have the time. Lord, help us to make that intentional decision, whether it's to wake up earlier, whether it's to to, just set aside time from socializing with our friends to come and socialize with you. Lord, please, help us to make that time for you today. And bless us to that end, O Lord. Please guide us continually with your your Holy Spirit and lead us to the foot of the cross each and every day. Is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.